Person of Interest Podcast, episode number 16, Team Machine versus Mary Jane. You are being watched. An artificial intelligence, a machine protected by government agencies and deadly assassins, is spying on you every hour of every day. We designed this podcast as a means to share information that will aid in discovering and exploiting anything related to bringing down those who will use the machine to harm and exploit others. If you're listening to this podcast, your number has come up and you're part of our team. Welcome to Person of Interest Podcast, a fan podcast dedicated to the splendorific sci-fi slash crime drama, which is called Person of Interest, which airs on CBS currently the Tuesday night time slot at 10, 9 central. Just to make sure that you tuned in to Person of Interest Podcast and weren't sure what you were getting into, what our topic was, (laughs) that should cover it. Yeah, just you, you never know. You, you never know. You, you never may, know. Thought of, may have watched the local news and were thinking about the person of interest on the, you know, this uh, crime or something. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, in case you're wondering, I am Daryl, and my idea of compression technology is sucking in my gut so my pants will fit. <laughs> Been there, done that. And I'm Doug, and I'm I'm working on a killer app that'll kneecap you. <laughs> that's all it will do it won't be it won't kill you it's just an e-capper nice i hadn't read that i i uh didn't see that coming <laughs> thank you for listening to and I, I found this out the other day to the most popular currently produced golden spiral media podcast can you believe that we are number one we uh we have uh, one for the blacklist called the blacklist exposed and it's been uh, ahead most of the time but we have superseded it so thank you for contributing to that wonderful bit of uh, success well, I wouldn't say that to too many people, particularly not around Red, because we might end up on his blacklist, and that's not a good place to be. Number 72, Daryl yeah. and Doug. Yes, no! We actually probably would be number 47. Oh, okay. I don't know. Well, we are glad to have you with us, folks, and we're covering Person of Interest Season 4, Episode 16, Sweet 16, which originally aired February 24th, 2015, entitled Blunt. Which, as you may or may not know, is a uh, slang for a marijuana cigarette. I did know that. kind of makes uh, sense with the whole uh, plot thing going there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had a little bit of a, uh, little bit of a marijuana tie-in to this week. So it was subtle, but you, if you looked subtle, hard enough, yeah. you could... Keep an eye on it. Keep an eye on it. Yeah. Keep your eyes open. They, 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 they could have used, you know, man, they didn't use doobie or something like that. It mm-hmm. makes it a little more obvious. Right. I like blunt. It's short and to the point. See what I did there? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Come on. Where's my rim shot? Uh, I there it, there is. it is. Like, all right. All right. Turn these, guys. <laughs> turn these drums up. There we are. All righty. Yes. Yes. Well, as Doug mentioned, this is a podcast that is produced by Golden Spiral Media. We are a listener-supported podcast network, and if you would uh, feel so inclined to support us via Patreon... We'd appreciate that. Uh, there are some exclusive things that you get by being a Patreon supporter of Golden Spiral Media. So you can go check out all of that cool stuff by heading over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash Patreon. We've picked up a few new Patreon supporters this week. And so thank you to all of you who are supporting Golden Spiral Media via Patreon. It means a lot. It really does. 
And if you pop by goldenspiralmediahut.com slash P-O-I or POI, uh, you'll find all our back issues. And uh, if you're catching up to... Uh, to where we are now, you know, you can go back there and, and catch up uh, on some of the previous ones. We've been doing this all season. You know, it'd be really cool if we can get the old TV talk stuff on there, too. But I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, I don't know if that would happen or not. I think I still have all of our old TV talk episodes. I've got a hard drive that's nothing but TV talk um, files in case TV talk ever came back that I have stored away. So maybe I could hit uh, Stuart up and ask him. That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? Yeah. Put okay. So you got you get the brain trust of the of the person of the the stuff that you did, right? The, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, yeah. I certainly don't have everything, but the stuff that I produced, I I still have most of that. Ah, those were the days. Mm-hmm. Well, the writer for this episode, there are two writers actually. Mm-hmm. One of which was Amanda Siegel, and the other of which was executive producer Greg Plagman. Mm-hmm. So it, you know, this is kind of a. It wasn't really arc heavy, but there were some things going on. We've kind of turned a corner here, kind of going down a new um, area. So it looked like uh, Mr. Plagman wanted to put his hand on on this one just a bit, and the director was Fred Toy Toya. What? How did, what did we agree to how to pronounce his name? I don't know that we did agree. I always say Toye, but I don't know that that's right. I, well, it's, and it's I, a the other thing, at one place I was looking for names here, it said, um, uh, it wasn't Frederick, but it was, uh, you know, Frederico or something like that, or not just, I didn't think I shortened it to Fred, Frederico, let's say E.C. Toye. I mean, this guy's got a, mm-hmm. you know, got a big name, and, and so everybody just calls him Fred. Yep. It's easier that way. Just like we call you Doug, even though your full name is, Douglas Sherman Alexander the third the third all righty ladies and gentlemen we have ratings we have ratings yes that's what we do here okay this is interesting on CBS person of interest erred a 1.7 up a tenth from last week's 1.6 for the adults 18 to 49 that was uh fifth place for the night and it had 9.47 million viewers, which was fourth place to the night. Now, the past couple of weeks, we've had third place on mm-hmm. the number of viewers. But uh, we have The Voice to contend with this week. It was the second night. You know, the, the season uh, opener was Monday. And then the second night of the what they call the blind auditions was on Tuesday. And so that was uh, way up there, too. And it uh, it beat out even NCIS, which is usually our uh, the top thing for the night. So still, with that, we had... Um, we had a, uh, a great night as far as uh, ratings goes. Now, here's the thing. The series finale, the series finale of Parks and Recreation. Everybody talks about PNR, you know, mm-hmm. all the time. Okay, it was up against POI directly. Okay, it got a 1.6, a little lower rating in the Magic Demographic, mm-hmm. and 4.2 million viewers. So, oh, less than half. Mm-hmm. But everybody knows about Parks and Recreation. And when I talk to people about, what do you do? I got a podcast for person of interest. And then usually the response I get is, hmm? Mm-hmm. You know, so... What is it? That's interesting. I, I I would have thought people were at least aware of Person of Interest, even though they may not watch it. But I have a few friends that 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 uh, actually listen to this podcast as well, but do uh, do watch it. But I don't know. It just seems like uh, the mo- more people that I talk to don't know about Person of Interest. Oh, is that a yeah? A well, you need I've to kneecap to. them and tell them to, to to watch the show when by the time they're done, their knees Absolutely. will be healed. You know? Absolutely. <laughs> you got so, an app yes. for that, don't you? Uh, there must be. Uh, yeah, Nick, I'm working on it. Okay. I'm working on it. You might need a, uh, someone to compress that thing for you. <laughs> I know a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I can just step on it. Okay. <laughs> That'll work. 
All right, well, let's hear your rating, Douglas. Uh, speaking of ratings, I gave it eight duffel bags full of telephone books. Nice. Which I thought was interesting because payphones in this uh, in this show, they're kind of an anachronism these days in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we've had in the in the story how these things still get out there in New York City, how we have all these payphones for the machine to use. Telephone books are kind of an anachronism, too. You know, it was one of these things I came in one day, and uh, it was a few years ago now, with with telephone books. They said, what is this? A book full of addresses and telephone numbers. This is this, you know, an identity thief's wonderful, it's a Bible for for him, you know, mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Oh, who, who, whose idea was this? You know, yeah, that was a, you know, joke, but anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, phone books. But yeah, yeah I get it. I, I've been giving things sevens for the past, I think, th- two or three weeks. And I gave this one an eight. There was a little more of the arc going on behind there. It looks like we've got a trajectory for uh, for Harper, our person of interest this week, uh, that we're gonna. And we've brought back the um, the Brotherhood in, in in a big way, and so I I liked it for that uh, for that reason. So I gave it eight duffel bags. How about you? All right, I gave it eight as well. I chose gun permits. I was inspired by uh, the very crafty Dominic. You know, it's nice to be, if you're going to be toting guns, you should have a permit for those things. I was I was uh, very happy that he was at least a law-abiding citizen in that regard. Well, we got a lot of readings from listeners. Yeah. Wow. So let me see what we got here. We got Vivek, who gave it 8.5, stop the big data slogans. And Jeff gave it 8, Bontoni, oh, Bontoni. Bontoni bites. <laughs> is that what that is? Yeah, that's right. the shoe that Bear was uh, was chomping on. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Uh, Zachary gave it ten cartel people versus ten brotherhood people, and he noted that it's this. This is his fourth ten in a row, and he gave a one little line here. I have to say that I really enjoyed the show because I get to rank episodes ten out of ten every week, except for the post Shaw dying episode. So, so Zachary has been thrilled with mm-hmm. season four. Yeah, that's right. And Karen gave it eight. I don't hear you unless you knock, Curtis. Looked it up. Sean Penn line from Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Yeah, Sean Penn was the, I believe, the stoner in that uh, particular movie. So anyway, well, we had Angela. Angela gave it 10 out of 10 for Root Recruiting the Pie Guy, Caleb Phipps. And we'll get to him in a sec, but mm-hmm. yes, the pie guy. The pie guy. He should be the Cheeto guy. I'm just saying it seemed, would seem appropriate for an episode that deals with marijuana. All right. <laughs> the munchie guy. The munchies guy. Ted gave it 8.2 red dots, 8 for the episode, 2 for some holes. Reese isn't that stupid to be hit by the mark at the beginning or to lose her in the bar. Also, they had Dominic on kidnapping. Yeah, they could have. Uh, they could really have. could have arrested him then. That's true. But they were looking for a reason to let him off the hook without compromising what they were doing with the other side. So that's that's how that whole thing happened. I think Benson gave it five. Ooh, Ooh. five out of ten fake IDs. Harper was my least favorite person of interest that they've ever had on the show. Interesting. Okay. Wow. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely be talking about her both in regards to this episode, and I've got some thoughts on. Uh, whether or not she will tie in in the future and, and how that might happen, if so. Um, Dotch gave it nine dispensary ninjas nicely kneecapped. I'm, the man loves his alliteration. He does. Andrew J. We the North or 
Wet Hen Orth, either way, how do you know, however you want to pronounce it, he gave it 6.8. So he's he's got a very, you know, exacting standard here. 6.8 mm-hmm. Fusco Tasers. Nice. Andrew gave it, my rating is the sixth digit of pi. So here we go. 3.1415. Nine. There's our answer. Nice. (laughs) Right. Groot, I am Groot, gave it eight champagne nunchucks. (laughs) You You know, let's let's talk about that for just a second, because (laughs) on every single TV show you and I have watched since we were in diapers, you hit someone with a bottle and it shatters and knocks them out. Yes. Except conveniently here where he's able to waylay like six guys with it and then puts it right back on the table. (laughs) Convenient how that worked. It was classic. Yeah. All right. Uh, Jerry gave it eight blown cover of Detective Riley. I'm going to talk about that a little later. Mm -hmm. And late breaking in the chat room tonight, Yoga Bond gave it seven root written apps. She likes to kind of slide it in there at the last (laughs) minute. Have you noticed that? Oh, you know, I got, I saw her come in and say, "Hey, give it your, give us all your uh, ratings." And yeah. so she, she got in it. I'm not complaining. She's here for the live show and giving it to us that way, and that is great. We're glad to have her here. You know what else we're glad to do? Let's discuss this episode, Doug. Where do you want to start with our dissection of this one? Uh, let's start from the very beginning. It's a very good place to start. Yeah, that's a running gag of ours, I think. I think it is. <laughs> anytime I hear, that's just one of those things. Anytime I hear that, that's like the setup. I'm going to hit the volleyball. You know, it's just the way yes, it is. that's right. Yeah. It's softball already, volleyball, whatever. Whatever it is. It's a ball. I'm going to hit yeah, it. Yeah, we, we, we had a little bit of the, the political kind of uh, uh, idea here with the medical marijuana because we have legal in New York State, but not federally. So... You know, a little commentary on that. Mm-hmm. And uh, and so they have to handle their cash. Yeah, we got to be, be careful about it. But, uh, you know, hiring the Brotherhood to do your cash handling, I don't know. I, 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 I would think you could hire somebody else uh, and get a little better uh, or, or less – of a of, of a hassle with uh, dealing with it, like dealing with the gangs, you know, and it should be some way to do that. But uh, they decided to go with the Brotherhood because they they know what they're doing, I guess. Well, I I don't think that there's any question that the Brotherhood are fully capable of laundering the money in the appropriate way. I think, and to your point, the the more interesting thing was that it seems like they had approached the Brotherhood about doing the laundering, not the not the Brotherhood going. All right, this is our turf. And we're going to handle your money for you because that's more of a mob way to do it, right? We're going to mm-hmm. handle your money for you. So, but yeah, that's that's an interesting point for sure. Um, so, did you? Did, I mean, you know, I think you made some notes about the fact that this is this was not exactly. It didn't seem like it was a very you know ironclad procedure here. It was just yeah. like, hey guys, here's the, here's the stuff. You know, come on and get it. Right. I worked retail for almost twenty years. Right. And it was at a chain of Christian bookstores, which most of our clientele are some really great people, right? We didn't have to worry about, it's not like we were at, you know, uh, even even Walmart where, you know, someone, you, you have to take extra precautions there when you're handling money than you would you would think at a Christian bookstore. That's all I'm trying to say, right? But even there, we had certain pr- procedures and protocols for the appropriate way to handle money. We never handled money. 
with the office door open. If the safe was open, the office door was not. If we were going to do any type of deposit, bank run, cash exchange, or anything like that, you don't openly talk about it so that people who are in earshot can hear you. You know, especially during Christmas time when we had to keep pulling money back from the registers to the to the safe because you know the the money's getting too much in the register just as a safety precaution. We handled those in a way that you know we used certain codes so that the average customer wouldn't know what's going on. We handled the money in a safe way to protect everyone in the store, right? Even customers in case someone wanted to come in and rob the place. We want to keep everybody safe. So now I understand this is a marijuana outfit, but still the way they, you know, talking about, hey, yeah, I'm going to take the cash and we're going to do this and the other and they're coming <laughs> by to die and then she's opened the safe and she's just like, you know, kind of rifling through it. I'm just like, really? I know this is TV, but really? So anyway, that was my beef. It was just way too sloppy for any reasonable business owner to have his operation that loose when it comes to cash money. Not believable, but maybe that's just my retail background. I don't know. <laughs> so you had you had the background. I thought I didn't really it didn't really stick out to me, but okay. it, but it did just it seemed like you said there's a lot of a lot of coming and going here with the money hanging hanging around. Mm-hmm. One of my issues uh, with this particular person of interest, we were talking about, you know, one of the uh, ratings there was that uh, uh, did she, somebody didn't like this particular POI. Mm-hmm. One of the things I noticed, and I've been noticing this season uh, as we've been going along, and maybe this is the writers trying to tell us that something's happening, but um, she, uh, Harper, or whatever her name was, uh, calls Reese out as, 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 as a fake cop. She she can read into him, and she knows, first of all, she's a fake cop. Second of all, he's ex-military. Then he's, uh, you know, special forces, probably. And, you know, it's like, but, you know, it's like the last two or three weeks, everybody's been picking him out that way. Oh, I know you, you know. I don't know you, but I can tell by the way your eyes look, and, or, you know, your nose is a little crooked, that you are ex-CIA, buddy. You know, <laughs> it's just, everybody can read this guy you know, all all of a sudden, nobody could read him in season one through three, or or right. very few people. Right. And then all of a sudden, man, he is an open stinking book. Yeah, wow, that's true. I rewatched episode two eleven today, which is uh, pi two uh, two, two pi, pi r. r two pi r. Mm-hmm. Which is the reason I rewatched it was because in in this episode near the very end, we got the reappearance of Caleb Phipps, right? And that was the episode that we had seen him before, and I wanted to kind of refresh myself on it. We'll talk about that when we get to it. But that was also the episode where Reese is in jail. You know, they had the they had the they were in the, like the bank basement, and they tried to get out, and they didn't. And he and three others got arrested, and they cannot. The FBI is there. The FBI guy is going crazy, and trying to find the man in the suit. Trying yeah. to find the man in the suit, and they cannot figure it out. And so you, yeah, when you, when, when you watch that episode in comparison to what you just said, it is definitely a change that they've done. It seems like they're doing it just to kind of fit it in with the, the plot lines that they want to pursue because, you know, Reese hasn't gotten any sloppier. And I don't think it's because Samaritan is, is, uh, causing people to get information that will, that will trip them or, or expose him in any way. So yeah, it seems to be more of just a kind of a plot device than anything else. You see it that way too. Well, I I think too that it's it's it may be kind of leading. That's what I'm thinking. It's we're leading to maybe Samaritan, you know, being able to find him. You know, it, it, more people are like you said. I don't know why. I don't know. He's not getting any sloppier, but we are seeing the fact, whatever the reason, that 
more people are, are, are seeing through his veneer. Mm-hmm. And uh, the psychologist, you know, this particular POI, there have been some others. So I think that maybe that Samaritans are going to be able to find him based on things he's doing and things like that. So, so that at some point he gets uh, pinpointed. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm thinking at this point. Okay. Yogabon says that she thinks that Reese has always stuck out like crazy. <laughs> well, there was one guy in the, uh, when they were, uh, in the, in the police uh, precinct and he, he sees out the door, he's being, you know, interrogated. He looks out the door and he sees, who's that cop in a suit? It's like, oh man, it's the man in the suit. No, mm-hmm. come on, get it right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But now, yeah. So, you know, that guy, oh, he'd seen him before. Now that, the fellow they were talking to, who is he? I didn't, I, was he just another member of the Brotherhood that I didn't quite remember? I, do you have any? Which guy are you or, talking about? There was a guy in, uh, he, he was being interrogated. I think Fusco was interrogating him and, and he looked out the door and saw Reese. Yeah, I think he was just a guy that was at the scene of the, of the kneecapping. Oh, okay. I don't, scene I, of the kneecapping. I don't know that he's anybody we've seen before. Now, Andrew's point is making, I think, a pretty good point here in the chat room. He says that, Reese might be sticking out more now because he's never had to try to be a cop before. He's just been able to do his own thing. I'm, I'm ad-libbing here now, uh, Andrew, uh, but he's he's been able to do his own thing, kind of hide, you know, uh, go into the woodwork and and do what he does. Now he's trying to do what he does with within the label within the label of being a cop, and that that is a big difference, I think, because he's mm-hmm. definitely not that, and so that that could be part of what people are saying. Yeah, you're not a cop; you're something else. Where before he was something else, and it was clear that he was something else. He he, he could get into a situation and get out back right. into the shadows, and now he's got to stay there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. That, that's a good point. That's that's true. That's good. That's good. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we did hear the line somewhere along the way that he was a, uh, a f- had a hero complex. I yes, think, I yes, think Harper uh, might have from, mentioned from that. Harper, yeah. Yeah, and that's that's definitely a line that made me think of what the psychologist has uh, said to him. People, speaking of people who figured him out. <laughs> yeah, and, and so that's and like I said, that's that's one more thing that that people are are, are finding out. But mm-hmm. that, again, these are that's true uh, that Andrew said that people are around him more and with him more, and because of that, they get to see uh, get to get more of a chance to read him. So there, yeah, that makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Now the the connection we finally get the well you know there's the mix up not exactly the mix up but the uh, the issue with the stolen money from the from the drop trying to get it to get it laundered and all that right I th- uh, one of the things before I, well, I, I forget it was before or after I guess it was after where they showed kind of Dominic in some sort of headquarters and they've got guys playing video games and I thought that was uh, very interesting. You know, the question is, how does, you know, you got to make money somehow. How do you, how do you launder money? And in 21st century, you know, you, you, you turn it into, what can you do? You can turn it into virtual money, like in these games and, and, and bring it back out. And, you know, it looks clean. It looks like just, you know, some, uh, you know, I, I can imagine there would be plenty of people who say, Hey, I'm going to pay you to play video games. It's like, sure. You know, without knowing exactly what's going on until you, and I can imagine that they're, they're actually buying some of this uh, virtual money in these uh, the different worlds, and then uh, uh, you know somehow they somehow have to get that out again. But right. uh, but that was that was I thought that was a very unique and you know relevant uh, way to, to to do something like that. You know, as times change, as the technology changes, so do so do the laundering um, methods. Yeah, I I thought that was pretty cool too, and that's something that I 
I never saw coming. And, and I just, and I, don't, I don't think that necessarily they had to tell us how they were laundering it through to get it clean. But um, the the fact that they did definitely was cool and it definitely ties into this show. So we've got, uh, we've got Trey, the boyfriend who has been, uh, I guess, getting Harper her jobs or getting her, um, uh, what was it? He, he had vouched for her for, for the job. Yeah. For the, yeah, that's right. Oh, that's right. For the job at the, mm-hmm. uh, at the dispensary. Yeah. But I'm so, sure he was a mark on her. I mean, it, it, you know, yeah. she, she approached him. She knew where he worked. She wanted to get in there. He thought he was doing her a favor. Well, I mean, he, he was, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But he, and, and, and that sort of uh, friendship wind up, uh, you know, biting him back now. So, you know, that wasn't so, uh, uh, that wasn't so good, but, but he seemed like one of the clients, frankly, of the, uh, of the dispensary. He just, you know, what man, huh? You know, oh, yeah. just, just was not there. He was a product tester. They had to make sure that they were having quality <laughs> product to sell quality control. Okay. <laughs> he's, the, he's the QC guy. Good. All right. That's right. Yeah. He's very good at his job. Takes it very seriously. Um, well, and, and his number ultimately does come up because mm-hmm. we've got, uh, we've got the Brotherhood. I guess the Brotherhood and the cartel were both looking for him at some point. Right. To try to get his, uh, uh, figuring that he knew something, but, you know, you know, as we find out, obviously, nope, not very much. No. He's the patsy. He was the typical pothead, right? I mean, when we think of potheads, we think of, especially when they're going to be portrayed in a, in a TV show, they're going to be, Hey, man, I'm just, oh, you know. <laughs> All that was missing was the bag of Doritos. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good, actually. <laughs> <laughs> and, and when Trey's number comes up and they go start, start looking for him, there was a line... And this is another one of these kind of recurring things. Fusco has this line. Well, you know, how do you know that this guy is important that we need to deal with him? And Fusco says, John and their friends, they know stuff, you know. And the, so, you know, it is, this is more of uh, moving Fusco out of the, the you know, mostly comic relief into more of a guy who really does understand the machine when it is. I think ultimately it's going to be revealed to him what's going on. Mm-hmm. I don't think for him it's going to be a. Uh, they, they, they will have already laid the foundation to make it make him very accepting of it. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, that it, it won't be something like you got to be crazy. That's nuts. Now I'm not going to believe it, and you know, spend you know three weeks trying to convince him. I think it's going to be, uh, a, you know, a one episode thing when he get, it gets revealed, and it'll it'll take him a little time a little time during one episode, but at the end he will uh, he'll believe it, and so that sort of thing as we've been seeing all along, where he gets a little bit of uh, either information about you know how how this is going on, or his curiosity is you know coming up, uh, you know what, what's what's going on here, what's going oh they know things you know he's kind of accepting of it now he's been you know pretty much for this whole season. So, uh, do you think that's going to happen this season? Where he finds out about the machine? Yeah. And we'll get a yellow box for him. Uh, you know, I want to say yes, I do, because I want, I want that for him. It's, it'll be like he's, he's in the inner circle, but no. <laughs> no, you don't think? Oh, okay. I'll say that's no. my, that's my prediction. That's my beat the machine this week. Okay. I predict that Fusco is going to have a yellow box around his face by the end of the season. I hope so. That'd be cool. Well, it sets up a neat little thing that happens after our boy Trey gets kidnapped. 
we see Harold put together the cash to go pay off uh, Harper's debt to Dominic so they can rescue Trey, which is interesting in a couple of what for a couple of reasons. Number one, they don't have a lot of money. Uh, they, he's not the 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 quadrillionaire with with you know deep mm-hmm. deep deep pockets that he was a season ago. He's they do have some money. He knows how to do some things. He clearly has has built back up some of his finances. But he also mentions that this is going this is a considerable amount of money, you know, compared to what they have on hand. So I thought that was interesting. But when Reese goes to pay off Dominic, Dominic calls him on it. Says, "Look, cops don't pay off the gangs to get somebody mm-hmm. back. You're not a cop." And they have this great conversation uh this scene was really one of my favorite scenes if not my favorite scene from the episode uh, because we get the the sit down with reese and dominic incidentally i did i read it on the uh, wiki page i think the the person of interest wiki page uh today this scene was uh filmed was was set up to mimic a scene from heat where you have these two guys, you know, one's like the crime boss and one's the cop who are, are sitting down at a table trying to establish a framework. And that's what we had here, right? We had Dominic mm-hmm. and Reese sitting down, talking things over. Dominic wants to know what gives with Elias. We have an understanding, yeah. you know, which this then they they kind of come to an understanding here that, that plays very heavily when, when it when it comes time to make some arrests. That's why Dominic's gang was was let go. It wasn't necessarily because they had permits. It's not that they hadn't broken any laws. <laughs> they had an understanding, and that that moment was not their moment. That moment was their moment to go to to be set free. So that changes things, doesn't it? I mean, this was a pretty important scene to me. Yeah, I, when what John said about uh, about Elias getting a pass, I stay out of his way, and he stays out of mine. You know that that can only go on for so long. As and I, I, you know, if a number comes up and Elias is going to be the perpetrator, then he's he's not staying. You know, staying out of his way. Uh, but yes, yeah, so I think that's basically John saying to Dominic, "Look, you know, we 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 can't necessarily get you on anything, but we ha- we're trying to do our job. If you let us do that, then that'll then then we're all we can all work together. You know, and I I, I can't imagine that this is a you know, turn a blind eye to everything Dominic is going to be doing. You know, if that comes up, it comes up. But Dominic, being the player, uh, you know, in, in the uh, in the power player that he is in this uh, situation, yeah, I guess the cops do have to have to deal with that because because either one can make the li- the lives of the life of the other very difficult. Mm-hmm. Well, that's right. That's that's exactly right. Well, Harper Harper wants to go save Trey once you know the. Uh, was uh, the cart? Was it the cartel, or was the or the brotherhood that got trained? It was it was the uh, the cartel, I believe they were because they were asking about, uh, but you know what he knew, and uh, of course he doesn't know a thing mm-hmm. when he doesn't. <laughs> Poor guy. Yeah. yeah, when you really don't know something, you're gonna get in a, you're in a world of hurt. Yes, yeah, indeed. yeah. So you know she becomes the bait to go and and and. And get them both together, mm-hmm. uh, the cartel and the brotherhood, and that was a very uh, it was it was almost a you know sharks and jets kind of thing here. You bring the whole crowd in, and uh, it looks like it's going to be a knife fight or a gunfight or something like that. And 
while they're busy, you know, man in suit, uh, you know, shows up with the, uh, with the repelling, you know, rope and right. we're going to repel through the ceiling, dude. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, yeah. man. This is cool. Whoa, man. He brought ropes, dude. <laughs> Bring any Doritos. <laughs> That's what I really need. Yes, indeedy. And so, you know, we get, we, we get the, 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 the big showdown here and, Harper made an impression on Dominic. Mm-hmm. She certainly made an impression because you know once the once Fusco you know and the and the cavalry come and save the day, and Dominic comes out squeaky clean for purposes of you know uh, keeping him uh, kind of under under wraps. He does get a uh, Dominic does get uh, together with Harper and officer a, I guess a job you know if, mm-hmm. for want of a better word gainful employment hmm, with the Brotherhood. So this suggestion here is is that we may see her again. Right. I, I, I have a feeling we might, um, and not just from from that uh, offer too, mm-hmm. but it does. You, you, and you think that's going to be because uh, we were sixteen out of um, episode sixteen out of something twenty two, twenty three episodes of the season. So mm-hmm. do you think we have time to bring her back? Yeah, I do. I do. Um... So this episode, like so many this season, was a was a stacking up the chessboard type of episode where we're, we are placing pieces where they need to be. I don't know how many times this season we've we've said that about a particular episode. Last week we saw Claire again. This week we saw Caleb again. We will see Harper again. I'm I'm quite sure of it now. What I don't know is which team she'll be on. Will she be on Team Machine or will she be on Team Dominic or her own? Like she could be a independent contractor. Well, almost like Shaw. And, and some people have been saying that, um, I, I, actually, I believe it's one of the, um, the uh, comments we're going to get later, some of the feedback, that uh, there's been a lot of like mm, Shaw replacement uh, uh, kind mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, ch- trying them out and seeing, you know, how, seeing how they work. It's almost like, cause yeah, that's what you would be. Shaw originally was, I'm not on either side. I'm on my own side. Mm-hmm. And, and it would sound that, uh, Harper here could, uh, be in that same, uh, situation. So yeah, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah. Now I did, w- one of the things that they did at the end where, uh, she, she stole Finch's watch. Right. And then he stole her ring, you right. know, so. That that really says to me we're going to bring her back because we've right. got you know we got these little we've got something right. But the one thing it reminded me of was and then we were talking about um, uh, TV talk a little earlier. The very first TV talk episode ever uh, was the episode uh, season two episode eleven one percent. And at the end, the fellow who was kind of the Facebooky you know type CEO mm-hmm. uh, for this you know, whatever the uh, name of the enterprise was back then was he gave finch a watch and and finch just crushed it and opened it up and sure enough there's a it was a gps in it and it's like well we may uh you know he's just curious enough to be dangerous and uh, but we never saw him again right you know, it was kind right. of one of these things as a one-off and it, it you, you left it's like they left the thread dangling in case they needed to go back and grab it so yeah it may or may not happen now in that case you know the gift and whatnot the thing that uh, uh they got from him was chucked, you know, thrown away. So, you know, there wasn't really as much of a dangling thread as this one is. So it sounds to me like, yes, we've got, uh, um, and, and they could hold that over her, uh, depending on how my guess is this is going to be an important ring to, you know, a sentimental value thing me too. Mm-hmm. that she will want to get back. And so they might have some leverage on her to, 
do what they want. Yeah, I thought it was odd that they shook with their left hand. I thought, did they reverse this shot? And and was that a was that an error? Because I noticed it as soon as it was happening. I'm like, she reached out with her left hand, and then he he of course did as well. And so I'm looking at the crosswalk in the background, I'm trying to figure out road signs. Is has this scene been reversed for some reason? But then when we saw that they had each stolen an item from each other, she moved in with the handshake first. She was eyeing his watch, so it made sense. Once they revealed the watch had been stolen, I'm like, oh, that's why she shook with her left hand, so she could get access to his left hand. But it was definitely odd. I mean, that's not really smooth. You don't. Sh- if anyone ever comes up to you and tries to shake your hand with your with their left hand, it's it's awkward, right? I mean, you like, mm-hmm. oh, oh, sorry, wrong hand. So... But that's usually where you were. A right-handed person would wear their watch on their left. So that's right. That's right. Yeah. So he he knew instantly that she was up to no good as soon as she moved in with her left hand. Oh, and Andrew in the chat room has uh, reminded me that uh, Finch actually gave that watch to uh, to somebody to fix at the end of an episode, mm-hmm. four, four episodes after the one. That's right. He so sure I did. Guess that is still around. Yep. Okay. Now, we don't know if it's got a tracking device in it or not. I'm sure it doesn't. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe it does. That, that uh, he can uh, he, that he can activate remotely or something. Uh, that would be a finch, finchy thing to do. Because <laughs> oh, then he could man. just then he could just oh. drop the watch into a pocket or something and and follow somebody. But that all, I don't know. Yeah, didn't have to do anything. And the, yeah. the way I, mean, I looked it up, you were uh, looking up a pedia of interest. I looked this one up too, as far as the watch goes. The value of it is about. One point five million dollars. So, you oh, know. that's like a weekend for me. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. Wow. And for Finch, it's you know, it's it's what he carries around in his you know back pocket all the time. That's right. Yes. <laughs> well, now that he doesn't have access to his to, to his his millions, you know, and his billions or whatever, maybe only you know one point two million or something. Yeah, <laughs> that's a lot of money, man. All right. So, anything else you want to talk about on the A side of the story? I'm all eight out. Okay. Because there's a lot of good stuff. Not a lot of good stuff that we didn't get a whole lot with the B story, but some interesting things happen is what I'm, what I'm trying to get to here. This was with the, uh, the root storyline. We get an interesting conversation with her down in the uh, subway station, learning that she is going to be building an app. She's been in Sri Lanka. Do we do anything with that? Hmm. No, I don't think so. She, she has, Root has been so many different places, so mm-hmm. many different, uh, with so many different aliases and stuff like that. I don't think that that is a, a throwaway line, basically. It, it is a throwaway line. That's, that's my guess. Okay. Okay. Uh, and I don't know. I, I'm, I'm, I'm inclined to think so as well. I mean, we, she, it, it gave us a little bit of where she was at and that's, that's fine. The machine is still doing things with her uh, all over the place, you know, getting her here, getting her there. Mm-hmm. She's not just stuck in New York City. Right. And she's going to build this app. She doesn't know what for, but she mentions that it's time that they do some recruiting, that they kind of go on the offensive a little bit. I don't know that she used that phrase, but this is quite a bit different. I mean, last week, Finch and Harold are talking about how they need to have less people don't get anybody involved. This is why Fusco still doesn't have that yellow box. So for her to come in this week and say, hey, we need to go get more people is is directly opposite to what Finch had in mind. And he doesn't necessarily seem to object too much at all, really. Didn't put up much of a of a fight, no. Yeah. Yeah. And and we you know, I, I think uh kind of the cutting back to him trying to follow her around, it didn't 
didn't really seem to go anywhere. I guess he's just concerned about what's going on. But, you know, she loses him. He finds her again. And that, that there really wasn't much until the, the till till the end here. And when she, you know, she mentioned to somebody, I think in one of those cutaways, that uh, uh, your boss's reputation precedes him. So, you know, I'm wondering who's the boss. Mm-hmm. And it's not Tony Danza. Well, she mentions that she needs some, some sort of compression technology or compression algorithm which again i'm not thinking anything of at that point that doesn't that that's a tremendous clue to us which i'm sure only half of a percentile of the audience picked up on at the time but uh yeah that that turned out to be very significant a very significant line i think i think here's here's my issue i don't remember these guys from week to week and this Mm -hmm. is a guy from two seasons ago right you know so they you know they kind of show his back and then they turn around and there's a guy i'm going and what? still nothing to me. Yeah. Well, he has grown. I mean, when we saw him before, he was portraying a 17 year old. Now he's portraying a 19 year old or an 18 or 20, something like that. It was two seasons ago. But the actor himself, I, I rewatched that episode today, 211, which is when he was in. And he was playing a high school student and he pulled off a high school student. He couldn't pull off a high school student now, just two years <laughs> later. I mean, the, the, the person himself has, has matured. Uh, into a man himself, so I didn't recognize him at all. No, I didn't either. Uh, I just, and that's when I went to the PD of interest, trying to find out who is this guy. I don't quite get it. And, and you know, okay, so he's Caleb Phipps from Two Pi R, and Two Pi R was also the episode where Finch was a uh, as a substitute teacher trying to get uh, in touch with Caleb to you know keep him from killing himself. Right. But this is also the one we've seen. Uh, I think we had a. Um, I think I may have posted it uh, a while back when we first met Dominic. Uh, when well, actually, when Dominic had said something about you know, teacher once told me that to see this circle, the infinite possibilities in that circle, and this is two pi r where uh, Finch has written down a few numbers about uh, of pi, and he describes that the 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 pi goes on forever. It's non terminating, and it's it's got all sorts of combinations of numbers in it. And in that is every single possibility, everything you've you've turned those numbers into letters, everything that's ever been written, you know, and all that stuff. Okay, so an infinite set of possibilities. And if you look in the back, there is kind of a uh, a, a kid who looked maybe you know, maybe look like like Dominic, and so that was a very interesting uh, callback to that. If we hadn't, you know, other people had made that connection to maybe that's Dominic back there. Well, now we have a guy from that episode mm-hmm. showing up again, and, and and maybe that's kind of you know really uh, knocking the the point home here. Well, it, it's so interesting because if if we are led to believe that Dominic was in that classroom. That was a cool payoff, you know, when, when we talked about that near the beginning of the season. But now, we, like you said, we have a confirmation that someone who was in that classroom walked away from Finch's lecture that day and, and you know, had an impact on his life. And here we have two, two guys. If Dominic was in that classroom that day, he's kind of taken that and, and he used it as an inspiration to be a crime boss and bring harm to the world you know and and caleb, and caleb has had the, the opposite i mean he's he's trying yeah. to make the world a, a better place and more secure and, and that sort of thing so that's that's quite interesting and compelling too if you ask me the uh if if you looked at the scene and i i missed this i don't remember where i picked up on this if it was if it was on twitter or where it was i saw it but if you, I, I missed it when i watched if you look at the scene where root is being interviewed 
not the very last scene when she actually meets Caleb, but the scene before that when she was being interviewed on the wall behind her is a big, large piece of art. And that art is nothing but the numbers of pie. <laughs> and so here we are in the office building that Caleb owns. Again, a nice little Easter egg there for us. It's uh, it's made an impression on him. What I would be very interested mm-hmm. to see is if Caleb and Dominic ever meet, they go, you, you know, from yeah. high school. Yeah, that would be cool. Let me ask you this. Now, we already talked about or, or speculated on whether or not we would see Harper again. But I want to throw throw something out here. Um, I didn't want to talk about it before we got to this this part of this, the, the discussion. I think there is a chance that – how do I want to word this? I think there's a chance that all these characters that we've seen over the last several weeks – are going to be end up being recruits. This week, we heard Root say, hey, we need to go recruit some people. And that's what she was building the app for. Now, I think we could we could discuss a couple of things here. One thing we could discuss was, or is, did she build the app with the loan purpose, whether she knew it or not? I guess, did the machine have her build the app with the loan purpose of recruiting Caleb or did he did the machine have her build the app with the intention of recruiting other people and Caleb? Uh, so that's one thing. But I think another thing to, to I'd like to discuss is also: Do you see a, a way where, because of the understanding that Reese has with Dominic now, and the understanding what they have with Elias? And with Claire last week, now with Caleb this week, we also have control. There's somebody else, uh, one of the other operatives within the control group there that was also kind of having some doubt. We still have Shaw out there somewhere, maybe somehow, I don't know. She's pretty banged up. My point is this, do we have quite a nice little team that that is being built here uh, ready to all these pieces being put in place, ready for the as we as we near into the final stretch here of the season. We have a precedent for that from last season when we realized that it wasn't that Samaritan wasn't going to be defeated, that it was only going to be hobbled mm-hmm. so that our team would be uh, safe. That we did bring uh, a, a hacker or two from previous episodes in that season right. into the near the end there. And they were able to reprogram a couple of servers so that, uh, our, the identities of our heroes would not be, would not be discovered. So yeah, I can see that. I, I, I would really like to see more of that to, ha- to bring back some uh, persons uh, of interest or just characters in, in, in general to bring them back and, and use them again, use the talents that they have. Now, like I said, this is, this is Caleb's the guy from two seasons ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and, POI is not one generally that'll do something on the order of previously on person of interest. So you don't get, you know, so if there was, you would have seen a scene from 2Pi R from two seasons ago. Mm -hmm. So there is going to be some, some of that is going to be lost on a number of viewers because, like I said, I I had no idea who this guy is. You know, it's this big reveal and it's like, uh, so I can imagine that. 
Person of Interest is going to be a great show for binge-watching off the DVDs later mm-hmm. on, so that all that stuff's fresh in your mind. But I love the fact that they bring these folks in uh, again uh, from the previous uh, from previous episodes and use them in the capacity that and see how they've grown and how in in case of Caleb how Finch's uh, has has affected him with the you know the whole pie number in the back there and he's remembered that lesson. So I like that, and I I really do hope that's going to happen. I I hope it's going to be more than just Caleb, and I I think we're going to see uh, Claire again as well. Yeah, I do too. I think I think the the biggest unknown for me is whether or not Dominic will land on their side. For at least, can they find a common ground or a common enemy? And can you imagine seeing Dominic side by side with Reese, especially if Elias is also there? But I think it's hard for me to think that they could that there's a way they could do that. But I think that if if I think there's a chance that the writers could pull it off and I would be willing to go, okay, yep, I could, I could buy that. So is it hard for me to believe that? Yes, but I think these writers are capable of, of finding a scenario where I could believe that Elias and Dominic could put down their or could point their, their, their weapons in a similar direction instead of at each other, at least for a moment. But we'll see. I, and if they do, you know, because you, you got to think, Martine, someone's got to go up against Martine and, and the boys. And as we've already seen, our group is not enough. They are going to need some some gun power at, at some point. It's going to be a, a technology war um, and some boots on the ground. There's, it's going to have to be a, a multi-pronged attack in order to defeat Samaritan. They're going to have a big job to try to measure up to last season's season finale mm-hmm. oh, yeah. and so they are setting this up uh i think they i think if they pull this off i think it could very well do that this this could be very a very exciting um of last you know two or three episodes yeah for sure all right well what else do we have here to discuss i'm all beat out now are you all beat out i guess i should scroll <laughs> down to see if i am to be or to not be not not to, that didn't come out. That joke fell flat. <laughs> Just didn't even say it right. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know you had that sound effect. I'm ready. Fortunately, uh, you've never had to play that on me before. I feel good. All right, Doug. I think I'm beat out as well. All righty. <laughs> Let's do some surveillance in the news. I want to thank... All of you folks out there who have been sending me all sorts of links and stuff like that, uh, it's been wonderful. I've got a whole bunch, um, but keep sending them. I got a whole bunch, uh, in my, uh, in, in, in back in reserve. Uh, but this week we're talking about Lenovo. Now, those of you who have Windows PCs, Lenovo is the maker of one of those uh, Windows laptops and that sort of thing. And this is from iMore.com and this is a Mac. You know, an Apple uh, uh, website, not an Apple web, official Apple website, but they like they like Apple stuff. And their headline was Lenovo reminds everyone why it's better to get a Mac. And the story goes like this. Earlier this week, it was discovered that Lenovo, a prominent manufacturer of Windows PCs, had loaded Superfish adware into some of its laptops. In order to insert advertising on websites, so you go to a website and you would see advertising that Lenovo put in there, not the website, the adware broke what is called HTTPS Certificate Authority. Now, let me try to, try to explain this very quickly. 
And simply, you know, you're going to a website and you see the URL up in there, http colon slash slash www.lmnop.com. Okay. Sometimes that'll say HTTPS. And you sometimes see a little graphic of like a lock or some stuff like that. And the idea there is that you have an encrypted connection to the website. So that's usually for things like your bank. Uh, tax things, your stock uh, portfolio website, that sort of thing. So you don't want people to be able to see the data going back and forth. Because, you know, the data on the Internet, when I'm talking to a machine, who knows, in California, it's going through all sorts of different machines and routers and all that kind of stuff. And somebody in the middle there could, you know, potentially look at that. Well, if it's secured, it's secured. Well, the adware broke that, that security, uh, and so it left those machines open to, you know, traffic monitoring, even manipulation, being able for somebody, it's called a man in the middle attack between you and the other end. Somebody in the middle could, you know, manipulate the information or just see what's going on. Uh, the public discovery of this adware made for a very bad day at Lenovo headquarters, but it made for a very bad, no good, downright horrible day and conceivably a year or more for Lenovo's customers. Uh, this is, and this is a, not no, so much a news article, it's is more of a, uh, an opinion article, so you're gonna hear a little, uh, you know, uh, upsetness at, at that all of this. This is such an egregious assault on computer privacy and data, and in my personal opinion, this is from the website, it should be taken as an opportunity for everyone and anyone to reconsider the benefits of getting an Apple-made computer and switching to the Mac. Or loading up Linux. That's my, my, my little thing there. But anyway, the idea here is, is that, um, it's no secret that in the cut rate world of ultra competitive, cheap as a feature PCs, manufacturers are trying to make up for the money they don't make from the hardware sales by doing things like this, selling out their customers. These hardware insertions are typically called crapware or adware. And usually it's, you know, and I'm going to say, uh, when you, you, when you buy one, you'll see on, uh, on the uh, on the desktop, you know, there's a it used to be like AOL and you know eBay and all that stuff, but now it's something like this. Uh, it hurts the customers when they do this. It it junks up the PC and it slows them down. They may think they're getting a deal, the customer, when they try to buy this thing, and and so these pre-installed this pre-installed software uh, is paid for. You know, the 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 people who are getting it on there pay a a bit to that, so that helps the bottom line of people like Lenovo. Uh, but uh, you, th- you think you're c- the customer is getting a good deal. They they really the ones getting uh, sh- uh, shafted. So anyway, uh, Lenovo originally uh, denied that this uh, uh, this this had happened, and this, you know, they finally had to let up and say, oh, okay, yeah, that's right, it's it, it's there. Now I don't believe it's on. Uh, they keep when I was looking in this article, it talked about hundreds of laptops. Well, hundreds. How many laptops is? Uh, does Lenovo sell? How many Windows laptops are sold, you know, each day, you know? Uh, so that's now, um, it's not, it's, so it may not be that big deal, but, uh, but it's something that you have to keep, uh, keep tabs on. So if you've got a Lenovo laptop, and it's been, I, I forget how long this has been, but it's been a number of months, uh, you may want to, you know, check about that and see what's, um, see what's going on with your, with your laptop and seeing, uh, uh, well, you know, uh, Lenovo, if you, when they were first, when it was first brought up and it was first exposed, they said, well, you know, we're trying to create a better shopping experience for our customers. <laughs> what a crock. Yeah. Well, yeah. that's, that, that, that was the PR guy talking, you know, yeah. and then the lawyers came out and said, no comment. Yeah. So it's, anyway, it's that's, a bad that's deal. That's a terrible deal. I'm with the, I'm with the author of this, man. That is, 
That is uh, sticking it to your customers, compromising your customers in a way that they should never be compromised. And I, I would hope that most companies are the same as the one I used to work for. They had a, they had a, I was going to say a contract. It wasn't a contract that they had with Lenovo, but they almost exclusively used Lenovo computers. I mean, before Lenovo, it was IBM. You know, IBM sold their computer line to Lenovo, and also they really do cater to a lot of enterprise environments, you know, companies and, and not just consumers. Now we at, at our former place of business, we would wipe the drives and install a fresh windows license primarily because of all the crapware, adware and all that stuff that gets the bloatware that gets put on windows computers. Yes, you pay more for a Mac, but you don't get all that bloatware crap on there either, you know? And um, that's one of the things they mentioned here is that, um, Apple is charging more upfront, so you don't get all that, mm-hmm. uh, that, that those issues and the, the need to install all this stuff with extra licensing and, and, and junk uh, to, to pad the bottom line of the PC manufacturer. That's so, right. Yeah, I can understand that. It's a, it's a give and take. The consumer is the one that has to make a decision on whether or not it's worth it to pay more upfront, you know, and get a, even if it's a Windows machine, you know, if you want to, buy an extra windows license that you buy windows by itself so that you can wipe the drive and install a fresh install of, of windows. That's, you know, the decision that you have to make. It's a, it's a bad one. There's a, I wish that it was easier to get a windows machine that didn't have all the bloatware on it, but Absolutely. this is as bad as it gets. The Lenovo lost a, a ton of trust and respect from me when I, when I found out they were doing this, this should never have happened. Now, if they you get a Lenovo uh, PC, uh, windows laptop, with an NSA uh, hard drive in it, <laughs> you're really oh, man. up a creek. <laughs> yeah, that is a bad uh, we deal. mentioned last week, yes. Two bad, two bad weeks for the uh, technology oh, sector man. from Doug here. Uh, a couple of things I, I also wanted to mention. These will all also be in the um, links on the, the post in, on the goldenspiralmedia.com slash POI website. Um, Edward Snowden gave a TED Talk last year via video link. And uh, it was here's how we take back the internet. That was if you so there's there's his side of the story about what uh, kind of what he has been doing. And then the NSA did a TED talk via video link, and they re- do their responses to uh, what he said. I, I haven't looked at the whole thing, but uh, Andrew J, aka Wet Hen Orth, we the North are hey, get, sent that along. So I wanted to just throw those in there, and because uh, those are videos, so but you can go in and check that out at goldenspiralmedia.com slash poi. All right, well, cool. Thank you, Douglas, for the wonderful, encouraging surveillance <laughs> in the news this week. All right, what do you say we do some feedback? That's much better, don't you think? Let's feedback. All right, let's start it off this week with Barb. Hi, Daryl and Doug. This is Barb calling in with feedback on this week's POI Epi Blunt. I'm giving this Epi 9 builds for a mobile platform app needing a compression algorithm. Okay, I'm just going to say that the POI writers are the most brilliant and clever people that I ever hoped to meet. To the casual viewer, this Epi might seem like a case of the week with no real storyline advancement, but the end just knocked my socks off and made the comparisons and contrasts stand out. I knew the boss that Root was meeting was someone that we must have met before since we initially only saw his back. I will admit that the name Caleb Phipps didn't ring a bell with me at first, so I had an internet troll. And there he was. 2 Pi R from Season 2, the very episode in which we believe Dominic made his decision to become the big bad he is today. This seems to be recruitment season. 
Last week, we saw Crazy Claire trying to recruit Finch. We saw Dominic trying to recruit Harper, and I think that Harper is going to go to work for him. And we see Root trying to either recruit or protect Phipps. I found it very interesting that our machine sent Root to align herself with Phipps. So, does this mean that he made the decision to go to the dark side after his encounter with Finch years ago, or is he on the side of good and our machine is trying to protect him and his company from being taken over by Samaritan as we saw last week? I'm voting for the side of good. Out of the two Pi R episode, Phipps went to the light side and Dominic went to the dark side. Two players, two sides. Just like the two machines and our two teams. Good versus evil. Phipps said he is working on new security software, and you can bet Samaritan would love to get that. I think our machine didn't send Finch, whom Phipps would recognize immediately, because it would be too dangerous for him. Less so for Root, who changes identities with the speed of a color-changing chameleon. (laughs) As for Root, we got the hint that she had been in Sri Lanka. Now, this is a culturally diverse country that was part of the key trade route between Asia, Africa, the Middle East, and on into Europe. It has artifacts of the earliest civilizations, and it's a microcosm of man's development and progression over time. Due to its geographical location, it has a temperate climate and features diverse flora and fauna. It's considered a key biodiversity hotspot in the world. Now, all of these factors would make it an excellent location for a Samaritan experiment. How would people in a key-contained biodiverse region be impacted by environmental or other factors that Samaritan would decide upon and control? Now, perhaps our machine sent Root there to put safety measures into place to stop this, or perhaps it wants Phipps' new security program to provide that protection. Anyway, we could go in so many directions, and all of them are exciting to consider. I was glad to see Dominic again, because that means that Elias can't be far behind. This is Barb signing out and using duct tape to secure my ring and my watch on my person. <laughs> That'll look kind of funny, though. You know, kind of a silver, you know, wrist thing going there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but otherwise, yeah, they want to keep it. There you go. Don't just don't shake hands with uh, with Harper or Finch. Right. Yeah, he's pretty pretty sly too. I like that she mentioned that Root might have or the machine might have been trying to get to. Caleb for his new security software that he's working on. We didn't really mention that. And I, I definitely think that that's, I don't know if that's the only reason. I don't think it's the only reason, but I think that that's a big reason why she was brought to that office because Samaritan's going to need, excuse me, uh, the machine's going to need some security, some protection, particularly if they're going to blindside Samaritan. It'd be nice if they were able to build a nice little secure network or a firewall or something that would enable them to go undetected that would that would be or, or to keep samaritan out mm-hmm. that would that would be awesome yeah I, and 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 barb thanks to the uh, the background on sri lanka maybe mm-hmm. uh, and i didn't i thought it was kind of a throwaway thing but yeah maybe there is more to it than just uh, uh why would they pick sri lanka they could have picked you know detroit for crying out loud but but uh but they chose that so maybe there's more to it than uh, than meets my eye at least well, and that's why I asked you earlier, because I knew that she was going to mention it, and I didn't think anything of it either until I had heard Barb's uh, feedback because I was preparing it for the show. So, um, Barb, if, if it turns out you're right, then we'll give it up to you, because neither of us really thought anything of it. All righty. We want to do Doc H's? Doc H says, this is Doc H, regarding Blunt. 
The last episode presented during February ratings month. I don't think this episode was blunt at all. It was very subtle. It was not grand, all in, all encompassing, everything bagel of his show, or was it? It was subtle in the fact that 20 minutes in, I said, I do not know where this is going. Then at 30 minutes, I do not know where this is going. <laughs> Again at 45 and 50, nope, no clue, do not know where this is going. Then at 53 minutes, ah, I've got it. This Jonah boyfriend is the true person of interest. Dope. Missed that one as well. Or was he? And when I get stumped like that, well, I call that great storytelling. My point, I'm pretty sure this is one of my top 10 episodes since the series started. But I can't specifically identify any aspect of Blunt that qualifies it as top 10. The Root stuff with her as the mousy programmer, was intriguing and promising. The Reese and Fusco dialogues, smile-inducing and true to form. Finch, he hasn't been more compelling since season three. Yet still, it seems like something was missing, but everything was there somehow. The case of the week had long tendrils into bigger picture with Dominic. However, it was also a brilliant standalone effort. While we have been getting a feedback full of Samaritan playing mad social scientist lately, this really came off as the machine quietly making a non-flashy chess move with one of its major pieces, Root. You're, I think you're right on with that comment, mm-hmm. um, Doc. And he says, My one semi-dislike is that it feels like the production staff has been auditioning potential Shaw replacements these last few episodes. This week with Harper marching the catwalk for our approval. Maybe we will get all of these candidates back a few more times before Sarah Shahi returns from maternity leave. Oh, and a few more Zoe episodes too. Please and thank you for that, if they can swing it. Cheers, Dutch. Yeah, this is the um, the mention of auditioning potential Shaw replacements. Uh, that's, that's, you know, like we said, we, we, Shaw was initially a free agent. She was not initially playing for either side. She was on her own side. And Harper certainly does uh, try to try to fit that bill as well. I'm, you know, stealing from the uh, the bad guys because they don't call the cops, and I'm not working for the cops either. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, like I can see that. Yeah, maybe we're trying to see how the uh, how the viewing audience likes some of these guys. Well, she was able to to pull out her baton and. and get the best of Reese there for a moment. We don't see that very often either. So I think, you know, I definitely agree with, with doc that this was a chess piece game. I said that earlier as well. And that's why I think that they're building their team. They're recruiting that, that word was used in this episode for what route was going on. But I think it was to kind of make us aware that perhaps the machine has been recruiting all along and we may have a bigger team already assembled than maybe we even realized. That was one of the things I liked about this episode, Doc. I'm with you that it felt like there was, you know, I gave it an eight, but I gave it an eight for the reasons that it seemed like you thought it was a top 10. That was, it put a lot of pieces in place. I don't know where those pieces are going to end up or why they've been put in those places. So I wasn't really sure what to do with it, but I can see a lot of movement happening. And so that's why I gave it an eight as opposed to like a six. But since I, didn't really see a lot of payoff yet. I'm not inclined to give it a 10, um, but I, I definitely saw movement happening on the chessboard, and that's pretty exciting. 
Things are are getting in place here. That's right. right. Yeah. Andrew J. slash We the North said, Greetings from cold Toronto, Canada. I would say greetings from cold Atlanta, but cold is relative there. Yeah. He said, this episode was slightly better than last week. However, I felt the scene between Dominic and Reese was too short. I also was hoping Caleb would have a larger scene than the cameo near the end. Though I loved Fusco and his role in the episode. Yes, Fusco certainly had... Uh, he was w- what I considered the uh, kind of the cavalry. He was bringing that in all the time. He was he was the backup. And uh, he really, you know, just when you think Reese is, you know, doomed or something like that, there's the little, you know, laser sight thing. Hello, we see you. So, yep, that's, uh, that, that's true. That's, uh, F- Fusco is becoming, a, um, a great, a great character. He's yeah. really, uh, developing into a great character. Yeah. Although it was nice to see Carter when I watched back with 2 Pi R today. It was like, oh, oh man, yeah. she was such a cool character. But, yes, yes. I don't feel bad for her, the actress that is. She's, she's obviously got a sweet role that she's doing now. Yes, crank it away on Empire. Wow. Oh. All right. Speaking of Empire, this one comes in from I Am Groot. Speaking and of Empire? That's a segue. That's just a random segue. It, it, this, it doesn't have I to make sense. It. I it's love just it. a segue. Yeah. Um, he says, I, hi, Daryl and Doug. I hope. Hi. Huh? Oh, you're saying hi, hi back. Yes. Saying hi, yes. Back, yeah. hi, Groot. Yeah. I uh, hope you're enjoying the cold weather. I really enjoyed this episode, especially Dominic's money laundering scheme. That was interesting. It was also interesting to see Samaritan's point of view on the war on drugs and its simulations if the state of New York made weed legal for recreational use. P.S. Talk about cold, Doug. It's 19 degrees here, which is 61 degrees Fahrenheit. Oh, man. Of course, he's in Melbourne where it's summertime. Thanks oh, for rubbing that in. <laughs> Yeah, 19, yeah, 19 carry the one to, to, to divide by two. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah. 61. Divide by nothing is nothing. <laughs> Alrighty. Andrew B. Andrew B. Couple of things. Couple of bullet points. Number one. Exciting episode with a somewhat intricate roller coaster progression. The different players and storylines packed tightly without being cramped. All right. Letter B. Cool sense of flow that holds one's attention in each scene and facilitates a lot of great moments. And some of those moments feel like season one throwbacks, uh huh. Finch following Root and the musical theme used very prominently when Reese one ups Floyd and Ike. Floyd and Ike. Now, who are they? I don't. I wasn't sure when I. You know, I'm I not sure who there. Floyd and Ike are. Ike and Floyd. Floyd and Ike. Oh, maybe these are people from other seasons, and I'm not, I'm just not remembering these things. You know, I, I'm getting old. All right, Andrew B continues. Some scenes built, uh, build off the energy and tension of others, like Root's first company meeting, followed by the meeting between Reese and Dominic. Ah, okay. All righty. Little sit downs back and forth. Very mm-hmm. nice. Mm-hmm. I liked the added nuance for Dominic in the parlay and the way Reese mirrors the machine in refusing to exchange one life for another. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Cause we're, so we're getting some of the machine's uh, ethics as part of the team now. All righty. Harper's a street-level pro accustomed to reading and playing people, and Reese even refers to her as an operative. It's refreshing to see a more challenging POI, one of the more difficult numbers, in fact, since Shaw. 
I think the similarities to Shaw's first two appearances serve more as a reminder that an indica- serves more as a reminder that an indication that Harper is a replacement. That said, with the treatment this episode gives her, a return is likely. Mm-hmm. So you are making the same connection as Doc H did about uh, possibly a Shaw replacement. She seems to have a softer side, perhaps not wanting to severely wrong the people she uses, at least those like Trey. Yeah, yeah I can see that. I can see that she definitely didn't want him to get in trouble. Mm-hmm. And finally, he says the episode could be considered set up in the grand scheme, but its structure nonetheless makes it very solid and enjoyable. And as we have been saying, yes, moving the chess pieces just as we're getting into the ready-to-attack mode. Alrighty. Mm-hmm. Andrew in the chat room here said that he had to check the press release, but the uh, Ike and Floyd were two of Dominic's henchmen. Ah, That's where he got those right. names. It's from the press release. So thank you for that. Thank you very much. Yes. Well, you know, that's lots of feedback, and we want yours, too. So uh, come on over to goldenspiralmedia.com slash feedback, and you can type in your feedback. You can create your own audio file and upload it, and you can use SpeakPipe. You go to the website, click on the little SpeakPipe graphic, and we will turn on your microphone on your computer, and you can just start talking away. And if you mess up, just, I don't know, record another one. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yep. No big deal. And when the episode is on, generally speaking, we are tweeting at POI Podcast GSM. So you can tweet us there with some feedback or your ratings and things like that. And also on Facebook, facebook.com slash groups slash person of interest GSM, or just, you know, do a little search there for person of interest podcast and you'll find us. Mm-hmm. We're pretty easy to, you know, stumble across. Speaking of Facebook, Karen put a picture on our Facebook page just a little while ago before the uh, we started the podcast, and it was a picture of Finch in that last scene as um, Harper has just left, and they're on the street corner, and it looks like a laser sight on his glasses, and she's wondering if if that was uh, a cue for what that, that he might be in danger. I looked at it though, and I didn't see a laser sight. It, to me, it looked more like a reflection than a you know a focused piece of light like a laser sight would be did you did you notice that doug did you see do you have an opinion yeah, I on was, that? I, and i commented laser sight or fashion statement mm, yeah who knows yeah it's kind of i can see i can see what she's talking about mm-hmm, yep um and, and if you go to the yeah, go to the um, person of interest podcast facebook page it's there it's there very prominently but uh yeah it's a it's a nice picture you can see exactly what, but that would be a really a, a really uh pinpoint uh, spot there, you know, he, he's moving his head around, you know, he's not necessarily holding a straight, so I, I have a feeling, yeah, I think it's more of a, uh, maybe a reflection of the light through the the temple piece, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Guess we'll find out if he, uh, I mean, they wouldn't let that go. They would, I would think they would show something next time. When is next time, Doug? Oh, well, next time. Next time is March 10th, so we've got a week off, and uh, so we you can you know, go out and do something else Tuesday night. You, you get the whole night for you there. But on March 10th is an episode called Karma. Reese and Finch try to protect a psychologist. I'm assuming this is not the police psychologist whose unorthodox methods for helping his patients find closure could cost him dearly. Meanwhile, 
Flashbacks reveal Finch's fragile state in the days following the bombing that killed his best friend, Nathan Ingram. Mm. Ooh, we're going to get some of that back again. All righty. As far as the regular cast goes, uh, Sarah Shahi is back as Samin Shaw, so we're going to see a little more of her, what's going on. Hopefully, we know what's going on. Hopefully, it's not just a little 15-second uh, conversation between her and... Um, Greer. And the Samaritan Greer, Greer yeah. yeah. And as part of the recurring cast is Elizabeth Marvel, who is playing Alicia Corwin. She will be back. This is She was around, of course, when uh, Nathan Ingram, uh, right after that, uh, before and after the uh, the death of Nathan. So, yes, we're going to catch uh, uh, quite a bit of uh, backstory there. That's going to be nice. Yeah. This episode will be written by Hilary Benefiel and Sabir Pirzada. Now, Doc H in the... Uh, and the chat room had mentioned earlier that uh, they've got two new writers. These are two new writers that I've mentioned. They've only been writers' assistants on a few POIs before and no other credits than a few shorts. So that should be interesting. We'll see what uh, how these folks handle this uh, this episode. And Chris Fisher will be directing it. I can't wait. So we have next week off, and we'll be back in two weeks after the next POI episode. If you want to join us for the live show, we do this podcast live every Thursday when there's a new episode. So we'll be back on, what day will that be? March the 12th. 12th. Thursday night at 8 o'clock Eastern. You can find us at goldenspiralmedia.com slash live. And the chat room's there. The webcam is on. You can watch us and interact with us and other POI fans. So come on. Come on down. Yes. Yep. All right. Well, thanks for tuning into this episode. And until next time, I'm Daryl. And I'm going to go practice repelling through roof windows. I just got to find one first. Yes. And I'm Doug saying that if your number comes up, we hope there's a man in a suit watching over you if he's... Not busy raiding your fridge because he's got the munchies. (laughs) Nicely done.